we all love ballparks. We all love Target Field. And you know what I was thinking, Lavelle? I was thinking, as the temperature gets down below zero, what could be better in late December in Minnesota than spending time at the ballpark? I know. I mean, it makes you think about spring training. It makes you think about summertime and, and uh, sun splash fields and flip-flops and and tank tops and having a cold one, watching some great baseball. Um, there's nothing like going to a ballpark on New Year's Day when it's too below. That makes you, it helps you to imagine it's actually June 1st instead of January 1st. That's right, Roy. Lavelle Neal is going to cover a game at Target Field this weekend. It's going to be a hockey game. It's going to be like minus 25, and the press box ain't heated. Uh, I, I think this is cruel and unusual punishment. You do belong to a union, Lavelle. I would, I would protest. I do not think you should be uh, subjected to this kind of, this kind, these kind of hardships. You know, I thought it was a cool, you know, cool uh, appointment when I first received it because I was like, Winter Classic. That's like a jewel of the NHL. Uh, schedule now and then i realized it was at target field and i was like wait a minute it's supposed to be like three below for a high on saturday and then i was like i know for a fact that press box does not have much heat in it <laughs> so um we're we we're, we're going to be out of the wind the wind won't be an issue but uh it's gonna be chilly there i just hope that i don't have to sit with my hands in my pockets the entire time and pull them out for 20 second interview intervals to type because the one thing i hate and i'm sorry you know i'm not as uh, not as fierce and um, and indestructible as you know as an athlete, but when my fingers get cold, it sucks to type. So that is. <laughs> 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 yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah, sports writers are not necessarily a hardy bunch. We need our fingertips to be nice and cozy, warm yeah, for us to do our little nice typing. And, and I'll tell you what, when when we were playing in. Uh, Minnesota or Chicago or Toronto some in in uh, early April and it was you know 35 degrees and uh, and drizzling and stuff it, guess what it it would have been nice to have your fingers warm and toasty when you had a bat in your hand and some guy was throwing 98 yeah 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 but sports writers do not have have the uh, we do not share the experience of getting sawed off and having your hands buzz like you're <laughs> holding a wasp hive or fouling a pitch into your ankle bone in 30-degree weather. Uh, there's no doubt about that. But uh, by our standards, this is a hardship, Roy. <laughs> yeah. Novella, they do have some really cool, efficient, small uh, space heaters you could plug in. Those have been banned. Apparently, they're worried about a, being a fire hazard. Uh, so that's another disappointing element here. I guess I'm at the... Invested some hand warmers or something like this. You know, the funny part just reminds me of a story. Um, it was one day, I think, uh, in April, maybe early May, at a Twins game at, at Target Field. And the uh, high was like 53 degrees or whatever. You know, so, but at game time, the temperature already started to dip a little bit. And it got it got starting to get chilly. And so I talked Dustin Morrison and letting us close the windows in the press box. And Bert Blylevin walks by and goes, Look at you, wimpy sports writers. You know, we're standing out there with the window open. How come you can't write with the window open? I said, I said, Bert, we make money with our fingers. We need them to be warm. You make money with your mouth. It's already warm. Well, <laughs> I'm, sure Bert, I'm sure Bert appreciated that. By the way, I think, I, I think that you should be able to invoke the transplant fire rule. I've been living here for 30-some years now. Lavelle, you've been living here for 20-some years. 
I believe if you are not a native Minnesotan and it gets below zero, you are allowed to set fire to anything you want to stay warm. <laughs> I think you're right, man. I mean, I got a space heater in my garage. I'd like to just bring to the hell yes Saturday and just, just park it, you know, under under the under my table and kind of get it get it done. Now I'm gonna wear, to- wear it like a baby carrier, right on your chest. Yeah, exactly. I don't want to hide out in the back row. At least we're closer to the vents where the heat comes out at, you know? There you go. (laughs) All right, we're going to actually talk some baseball since this is a baseball show. This is Chin Music. This is part of TalkNorth.com. Follow us on Twitter at TalkNorthPod to see the shows as they release. I'll see the times and dates of our live shows. You can find all the shows, all the show archives, all of our sports content, all of our outdoor content, and all of our variety content at TalkNorth.com. Dot com. Best way to listen, subscribe to your favorite podcast app. It's free. It's easy. Uh, thanks to our longtime producer, Brandon Morton. Uh, so I thought this, I don't want to do like a year-end review type show. I don't want to really drag out all the memories. It wasn't a good enough year to, to spend like 30 minutes talking about all that. So I'm just going to ask each of you, uh, and I'll give you a second here, just come up with one favorite baseball memory of the last year while you do, while you give that some thought. I want to thank our sponsors, Eleven Wells Distillery, Memorial Blood Centers, Minnesota Propane, and Better Edge. Also, we'll be doing a live show at Pizza Luce in Eden Prairie sometime in January. We have not scheduled it yet, uh, but again, keep checking back with the show. Check out Talk North Pod on Twitter, and we'll get that information to you as soon as we can. Roy, why don't we start with you? Do you have a, do you have a favorite, or it doesn't even have to be a, your favorite, just do you have a fond baseball memory from this year? I do have a favorite fond me- memory. I have uh, my favorite uh, occurrence, and it's the entire month of April that Byron Buxton had playing baseball. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, just you, you remember, you remember the uh, the uh, oh shoot, oh, let's let's Robin Williams uh, bit a comedy bit on uh, Scotland uh, create, uh, creating golf. Yes, it's fantastic. It's hilarious. Anybody who hadn't heard that, please go listen to Robin Williams talk about golf and you know being created in Scotland. But there's one part right at the end. He says, he says, and they put a flag right in the middle to give you effing hope. <laughs> and. <laughs> and, and there was a flag raised by Byron Buxton in uh, the entire month of April that is giving us just this incredible amount of hope that we're able to see six months of, of health uh, this next year from, uh, from, from Byron and, and just see what he does. Just stay healthy. I don't, I'm not wishing for that month uh, to be duplicated once or six times. I just... Just want him to stay healthy, and I'll and I'll take my chances on on what the outcome is. That was Roy Smalley. Uh, now you'll be hearing from Lavelle Neal the third. You know, um, Bucks is a great uh, a great nominee for you know, favorite memory, and I think most people would would enjoy just thinking about what happened in April because everything after April was a disaster for this team. But the, I, it was great to see Jorge Polanco return to the form that made him an All Star uh, a couple years ago. Uh, the, he made a seamless transition to the move to second base. Um, even though he, he's not like a super high walk guy, um, he takes good at bats. Um, he doesn't get cheated on a swing, and he's got some pop there. And we really saw him take off in the second half of the season. I think it's more it, it, the more he distances himself to the offseason surgery uh, on that foot ankle area, which I believe was like his third or fourth. Um, the more he distanced himself from that, I think the better he felt and the more he was able to 
uh, resemble the Polanco that the Twins need to see at the plate. And um, he started hitting all fields, started hitting home runs. You know, he's a threat at the at, at the bat from both sides of the plate. And he played a really steady second base. Now, I wish he, was, he would be back at short this year. I think it would be easier for the Twins to move him to short and uh, hodgepodge with um, – with uh, Luis Arias and Nick Gordon at second and use any trade resource they have to land a quality starting pitcher. But it seems like they want to bring in a shortstop next year. I don't know if I necessarily agree with that, but I think Polanco can handle it. He's uh, signed to a four-book contract. And the season if he has seasons like uh, the 2021 season, it's going to be money well, well spent by the Twins. Hey, speaking of that, LaBelle, I, I've got a question uh, for you. And Jim, did you guys see, I forget who wrote the article. I'm sure you would have seen it. Uh, I, I did not see the article. I just saw basically the gist of it or the headline or whatever. And what if the Twins took the, what do you guys think of the Twins taking the opposite? And just say, forget about pitching. Just just load up on offense. you got a great start. Go, sign Trevor Story to play shortstop and sign Chris Bryant to play in the outfield. And, and, and just let her rip, see what happens. Well, that would be very interesting to watch. They'd have to outscore their 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 pitching staff. Um, the thing is, I, I guess you can get away with it if you want to go Harvey's Wallbangers on the bit. You know, if you want to go what eighty-seven Twins on the bit a little bit. Um, but the Twins don't even have a starting five right now. They don't. They need two starters. It's right now. It's um, Joe Ryan, Bailey Ober, uh, Dylan Bundy, and question mark question mark. You know, I mean, I'm not, you're going to put Randy Dom back in the rotation? And then who in the hell is the number five? I mean, if, if they only have bodies in the rotation right now. So they got so much work to do there. I, I don't know if they have the they have a path to go that route. It would be fun to watch from, uh, watch them hit. And we saw it sure would. If, what, saw so that, what pitch – let, let me ask this question. What well, Jim, what do you think? I, I, I'm, I'm curious because I, yeah, I have another question. I, so so I, here's the thing. And I think this is probably what Roy's about to say is, yeah, of course, if you go get two starting pitchers who are going to be the top of your rotation and bump everybody else down, and, you, and of course that would be a great thing. This is a great idea if you don't think you're going to spend that kind of money or you don't think you can acquire those kind of players. Just, just admit that you're going to be throwing openers and middle relievers out there and you're just going to try to get through game, every game by game and you're going to try to score 12 runs a game. Because let's face it, that's kind of what happened in 2019. That in 2019, was, they said, let's, okay, screw OP, screw on-base percentage, uh, screw having the perfect bullpen. We're just going to score a lot of runs and see what happens. And remember, their bullpen was horrific until they fixed it at the end of <coughs> July and early August. Their, their bullpen was terrible. Their starting pitching wasn't all that good. They just outscored people. So I kind of like the idea. So that so what I was going to say, you know, as a as a question, uh, almost a rhetorical question to support what you just said, Jim, is what kind of pitchers are they? What two pitchers are they going to get for the money they spend on Trevor Story? They need a shortstop. Uh, if you think about going offense, uh, pretty good addition there. I don't know how much you have to pay them, but I don't know how much. You, I mean, what pitchers are going to be available, and how much do you have to spend on them? And at some point in time, you have to go. You have to say, 
Yeah, well, that's a pretty good pitcher, and that's a pretty good pitcher. It's going to cost us X. And, but if you can get, you know, Story and Bryant, for example, and maybe they're not the guys, but, you know, Trevor Story, I think, you know, would be one of them for sure. You get, you get that guy and maybe, maybe both of them, maybe that it's a better team than getting two almost frontline guys for similar money. I, I, I'd be willing to do that, but they don't, they don't have anybody who's an option to start. I mean, if they have, <laughs> if they have bodies, if, if they had Michael Pineda back and I don't know, give me a mediocre and, and um, I don't know, Jay Happ, maybe I'd be like, okay, maybe you just want to go for it that route, but they're going to, they're going to spend some resources to bring at least a starting pitcher in and that, which could be, so and that would take away from what they could do to add a uh, offensive player. But Jim's right. You see the 2019 twins, you know, hit the 307 homers. And what was Irvin Santana at the front of their rotation that year? Was that Irvin? Or my year two of. Uh, well, far- you're kind of, you're kind of making the point. We don't remember who's in the rotation other than maybe Barrios. I mean, it was just a bunch of guys and it was oh, a bad yeah. bullpen, you know? Right. Oh, it was Barrios and Odorizzi, right? Yeah. Odorizzi. Yeah. Barrios yeah. and Odorizzi is correct. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That was the year that they didn't start Odorizzi in the in New York. Remember they Correct. Put, started Randy Dobnak in game one. And got game two. two. And then they started Barrios game two, right? Uh, it was uh, Barrios one and – no, it was uh, – I'm going to have to look – now you're making me think. I'm going to look it up as we're talking here. But let's 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 concentrate on the big picture here. I think the premise is – I don't think Roy's saying don't go get any pitchers. I think Roy, what Roy is saying is the, the inclination of every Twins fan is – you cheap pull ads, go buy two pitchers, and let's take a ch- chance at this. And the reality is they're probably not going to get the kind of pitchers that are going to excite anybody. They're going to get Mike Pineda and J.A. Happ or somebody like that. And so why not shift the emphasis to being great on offense and understanding that you're going to have to outscore people? Well, I mean, they kind of went that route when they couldn't sign Zach Wheeler and took the money and signed uh, Josh Donaldson, right? Yeah. Yeah, they kind of did that with JD, and he ended up having some a bunch of injury issues that carried in the last year. Um, it's definitely a gamble because we sit here every year and we're like, okay, the Twins have a decent team, but they don't have an ace. How can they win a World Series if they don't have an ace? Um, you're saying just accentuate their positives even further and just throw all caution to the wind. It would be it would be entertaining to, to see. Okay, them. so so here's here's another way to look, here's another way to look at it. Uh, unless a couple of guys uh, get drastically different, be- meaning dras- better real quickly in time for next year, then two starters that aren't uh, that aren't named um, you know Syndergaard or you know any of those you know, any of those guys that you know they, people are talking about moving around. Oh God! They, they they don't have they don't have enough offense. If they don't get it, I mean they've got to have two front the two front line starters that you're talking about, Lavelle, because they've got Donaldson who could get uh, injured. They've got no offense at short. Uh, they the catching catching is uh, is a question mark. Yet maybe Garver will be great again. We don't know. We got two kids in the uh, outfield, in, uh, in left-hand hitters. Uh, maybe one of them emerges for sure. And you got Kepler, you don't know about. And then you got Sano. That is Sano. 
And I look at that lineup and I go, you know, you can pitch to these guys. If Donaldson's hurt and Kepler's not swinging the bat well um, and Garver's not swinging the bat well, you can pitch to this lineup. If you bring in, you know, two top flight offensive players and now the, the lineup is, 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 you know, what it is today plus those two, all of a sudden you don't need quite the pitching that you need if they don't do anything. So I, I don't know what the answer is. I, I really don't. I don't know what the right answer is. But I, I, I'm, I, I'm worried. I, I don't think it's, it's. I don't think big offense is guaranteed with what they have right now. It could, Kepler, Kepler could be terrific, and he by himself being terrific would make a huge difference. Uh, Sano, I think we. I mean, maybe Sano is just going to be what we see with Sano. So he's going to win some ball games with home runs. He's going to strike out 230 times. He's going to frustrate the heck out of everybody, but he's going to be, you know, a really great seventh or eighth hitter in a in a in a good lineup. But he's not a four hitter. He's just not. And then you got Donaldson, and okay, maybe. And then you got uh, either Kirilov or you've got um, uh, the uh, the other left hander, um, Larnick. Larnick, Trevor Larnick, Trevor Larnick, and. And so it, it turns out that you're looking at it and say, holy cow, Polanco and Buxton have to be really good. So uh, you just don't know yet. We don't know. And I hope I'm dead wrong. I, I mean, I'm not making a, a statement that the guys that I mentioned are not going to be good. I'm just making the statement that you, we still don't know. We, don't, we, we still don't know for sure. Have to be maybe you want to start knowing for – maybe you better say, okay, we know we need pitching – but who's available? How much do we have to spend? And what's the best way to win next year as best we can? I, I don't think it's cut and dried. Well, the, the Oakland A's are, are open for sale. They let Bob Melvin go because they knew they were going to cut back. And they've got three starters in the rotation that would be the number one starter for the Twins. And uh, Sean Manea, Chris Bassett, and even Frankie Montas. Either one of those three guys apparently were headed for, for the, for the uh, trade market. Uh, before the lockout. So um, I'm guessing that's one of the teams the Twins are trying to keep in touch with here during the lockout. They see if they have a shot to land one of those three. So, um, But if you want to go all offense, it, it, it would have to be a legendary offense that would have no flaws and would have speed, power, on-base ability, and everything. Uh, because the, on the flip side, the Twins rotation would not get out of the fourth inning, and they would be calling up with two pitchers every day for the minors because they'd be out of arms. Well, Lavelle, if they have good, somebody make a good start, they pull them in the fifth inning anyway. <laughs> I know. I know. I know. But if you're, if, you're, if you're knocked out in the fourth, now you're trying to cover, what's that, fifth, six, seven, eight, nine. That's, that's so you're saying, that, well, hey, that's what Randy Dobnik's there for, to get him those, those two outs, those two extra outs to bridge them. Uh, hey, you know what, this is a, this is a good uh, – we're going to pause this. We're going to come back to this. I'm also going to tell you what my favorite moment is. We do need to thank our sponsors, the people who have made Talk North a success. Thank you to Eleven Wells Distillery, one of Lavelle Neal's favorite places. You know, I'm uh, if you if you head out this to Eleven Wells here in the next few days or so, you may run into me because I am out of the Minnesota 13 whiskey. I am out. Well, and it's a sad I, story, Lavelle. It is a sad story. The, the bottle is empty. I have to get it. And the, th the cool thing about the Minnesota 13, that it's barrel-aged whiskey that was made in barrels that are already used to make bourbon and rye whiskey. So I'm a bourbon guy, so that kind of 
scratches where I itch. So that Minnesota 13 is an awesome, awesome uh, whiskey. And But I still have some little bit boiler room, barrel-aged rum left, um, but it's going pretty fast. I've had some friends check it out, and they like it. So uh, if you head over to 11 Wells, check out the Minnesota 13. Check out the boiler room, barrel-aged rum. They're both delicious. Thank you also to Minnesota Propane. Hi, I'm Laura Shera. And did you know that a propane gas furnace lifespan averages 20 years, while electric heat pumps only last 14 years? And propane furnaces work in all temperatures while delivering warm and consistent heat to your home. Why buy two heating systems when one propane furnace can do it all? It lasts longer, works better, and it costs less. These things and more are done with propane today. The right energy right now. Uh, Thank you also to Memorial Blood Centers. They do such important work. Local Memorial Blood Centers is looking for folks who want to help. It takes a generous type of person to give an hour out of their day to donate a pint of blood. But in the spirit of giving, it also saves lives. In this era, when our supply chains are backed up, don't let blood be one of the things that we're running out of. Give blood and help out the folks in your community. Plus, all donors with Memorial Blood Centers have a chance to win streaming entertainment gifts. Visit mbc.org to schedule or call 1-888-448-3253. And thank you as always to Better Edge. If you're going to bet on sports, bet with Better Edge. Combine your love for competition, social and sports with Better Edge, the sports betting exchange that actually gives back to its bettors. Better Edge is a brand new locally based betting platform meant to connect users and attempt to add some coin to the bank. Completely legal and 100% fun, compete against friends, sports insiders, and yourself with Better Edge in a number of different sports and event competitions. In fact, you can follow me. My username is Sonny Everett on this platform to see what my picks are. Use code CHIN for a free $10 when you sign up by visiting betteredge.com. That's B E T T O R Edge.com. All right. Uh, so, before I'm going to skip back to what we were talking about earlier, I'm going to give you my favorite thing about this last baseball season, and that was creeping toward a return to some normalcy. And you guys gave really good baseball answers. I'm going to give a really good personal answer. One of my favorite things, my one of my things about baseball is, is the ballpark experience can be great even if the baseball isn't. And and as a writer. My ballpark experience is getting to see ushers that I have known for years, getting to see uh, twins employees, twins media relations people, other writers, uh, you know, TV people. And Lavelle, I still remember the day, I think it was you and I, it was the, I think it was the first day you could be on the field in the dugout and not wear a mask because you were outside. And you, I, I went down there and we talked to Mitch Garver, we talked to Dustin Morris, talked to Rocco Baldelli, and just kind of st- – we did what baseball writers are so good at. We stood around and did nothing on the field, which I love. That was my favorite memory. It was getting back to kind of the the casual feeling of just being at the ballpark and not feeling like you were in some kind of a military operation. It was it was uh, back to what baseball writing is all about: standing around in semicircles, uh, shooting the breeze, watching guys take bat in practice, and waiting for the manager to come do the daily briefing. That was. Yep. Uh, <laughs> it, it was it was a, it was a at the time it was a sign that yes we're finally back to normal um the next stop would be the manager's office but uh we didn't quite get that far this year hopefully no. it happens sometimes sometime during 2022 um not sure when that would happen during the calendar year the next calendar year but we'll see but yeah the sun was out and you were able to just bs with other people in baseball which 
baseball writing's a great the greatest BS sport to cover out there because it's every day and you get the a chance to talk or meet to, to someone every single day and you get a close-up look as he was trying to get better you know more, uh Sano out there for early VP trying to figure out a way to get in the lineup every day Trevor Larnick over there every time I was on the field you know once we were allowed back on the field I'd see him talking to Justin Morneau and Morneau's just trying to you know help Larnick you know learn the ways as a young hitter in baseball um and, and, you know, watching Byron Buxton trying to recover from his latest injury. It's just, uh, it was just like old times. And uh, I miss those times. I can't wait to see him again next year. I'll just give you a quick, uh, a quick three point hierarchy for me best things in, in baseball. First one is hitting in the big leagues, hitting in a, in a big league game. The, the greatest, greatest thing I ever, I ever uh, attempted to do in, in my life. That was my favorite thing on a ball field. Second favorite. Is t- was taking batting practice. There's nothing better than, uh, other than play, hitting in a game, there's nothing better than, than taking batting practice before a game. And third is going out there with you guys and standing around the cage and watching big league hitters take batting practice. Yep. <laughs> it's great. So, I mean, it's just it's about hitting and watching the best in the world hit, whether it's in a game or in the cage. I just, you know, I just love that. And here's the other thing about it, too, guys. You know, if you go watch – football practice or a football warmest for a game, it's all about like blood and guts and intensity, right? It's just like, it's about physical superiority. You watch basketball and it's about getting your shot just right and kind of getting honed in and hockey players are, you know, these sports, these are sports that are about movement and intensity. The great thing about baseball is you can watch a guy and you know, we've seen Roy's bats up close when he brings me to the live shows, you can see a guy, Take a swing at a batting practice pitch and hit it on that little dime spot, dime-sized sweet spot, and, and send a round ball with a round bat like 450 feet into the stands, which is a feat that human beings should not be able to accomplish. It's an impossible feat. And then they'll turn and they'll tell a joke and crack everybody up. It's like it's a, it's the most casual display of ungodly athletic ability you will ever be around. Oscar Gamble story. Uh, it's an Oscar Gamble story now. One day in batting practice in, in a stadium, he hit he, he hit two or three balls in the upper deck in uh, in right field. I mean, way back in the upper deck, he walked out of the batting cage and says, "Man, they got to pay that security guard up there triple time and a half when I'm in the batting cage." <laughs> <laughs> and of course, it also reminds me. I, I know I've told it before, but you know. I, I believe in recycling stories. Maybe people don't listen to all the shows or they don't listen to, you know, they, they come, they're new to the shows. So they should get a chance. These. I still remember the story. Uh, Ryan LeFevre, he's like playing. I, I don't know. I can't remember what Ryan was doing, whether he was an A ball or he was an announcer or whatever else, but he's, he's at a ballpark in like low A ball. Ken Griffey Jr. is just starting his major, his uh, ascent to the major leagues. And Griffey's like flirting with girls in the on deck circle and not, not paying attention. He walks up, First pitch he sees, he hits a double, comes around to, to uh, score on on the next guy, hit, hits a single, and Lefevre asks him, "Hey, what well, you know? How'd you hit? How'd you get like a, a line on that lefty? Uh, you know, you, you hit that lefty like it was nothing." And Griffey said, "Oh, that was a lefty." <laughs> oh, I mean, I mean, there, there is there is a le- there's a level of baseball talent that is almost magical. And you get to see a lot of that when you just stand around the, at the ballpark uh, at batting practice. 
you know, and that that was the top thing about Griffey that for all the damage he did as a player, some people thought if he if he applied himself like other people had to, he could have put up uh, numbers that would never be matched. And and I, I was talking to was it Bob Tewksbury, uh, you know, I think one of my first years on the beat, and Tukes was like, you look at Griffey in the dugout during games, he's not paying attention, he's not trying to read the pitcher, he's not trying to check what outfielders are, you know, when everybody else is stretching before a game. You know, he's just sitting on the ground laughing and telling jokes, you know, but then he gets up and hits the first pitch 500 feet. He's like, what can you do? He's he's naturally gifted. But you wonder if um, if he put a little bit more effort into preparation and taking care of his body, just what he would have been able to have done was is just frightening. I was in the Dome in Seattle one day, and, you know, Puckett and, uh, and Griffey were pretty tight. And uh, a couple of Twins players are chatting with Griffey, and Griffey's like skip, basically skipping the stretching. All his teammates are stretching. Griffey's standing there just chatting with people. And somebody asked him, hey, why aren't you stretching? And, he, and Griffey said, does a cheetah stretch before it runs down its purse? <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. But it's amazing. I mean, you run into some. I mean, Mickey Mantle was on like uh, video saying that he wasted his talent, and that's just wild to think that. Uh, Here, here's, go ahead. Go, I, I'm gonna let me let me ask you this though, and uh, I want to get Roy's perspective on this too. But some, I, I think sometimes we overanalyze these things. My question for Roy, being as someone who's done it, would be: Is there an advantage? to being so loose and so carefree that you don't overanalyze things. You don't talk yourself into mistakes. I mean, these guys, I remember talking to Doug Mankiewicz. Uh, it was the year after he hit 300 while batting third for a playoff team. And the next year he, de- he decided that he needed to hit home runs. He needed to pull the ball. He talked himself, he took, he talked himself out of being a 300 hitter in the big leagues because he thought he had to change. He had to be better. He had to do that. I almost wonder if Griffey, was better because he didn't overanalyze everything. I think that um, it, uh, it's very easy to be uh, overanalytical. There, there are there are three uh, things that get in the way of um, of, uh, of success in, in baseball, and in, in, and I'm talking mainly about hitting. It, uh, one of them is that kind of overanalysis. Now, I think analyzing pitchers in terms of what you think they're going to try to get you out with looking for pitches that aren't just fastballs, you know, down the middle looking for, I mean, that's, I think everybody should, should do that uh, to the best of their, of their ability, but uh, trying to decide that you're a home run hitter uh, or trying to analyze every single mechanics thing that uh, you did the wrong the last time up and, and try to be thinking about mechanics the next time you go up there. I mean, those, that will really get in your way. The other thing that gets in your way, and this is uh, more to your point, uh, Jim, is is if you had to be extreme one way or the other, extremely in baseball, extremely intense or extremely loose, you you need to go for the latter. And I speak I, I speak from, and that gets to the third point, which is you can't be too hard on yourself. And I always I always tended that way a little bit. I really had to fight. Against against that, but I I think I I, I know whereof I speak here. I, the game's supposed to be fun, and it's always fun when you're hitting. When you're not hitting, it's not fun. But you got to figure out how to just relax and make it fun, and know it's going to come back. You know, keep working on things. But loose is better. I will tell you. Let it, show me a guy that uh, can uh, have a smile on his face all the time, regardless of. 
you know, it, it figuratively speaking, you know, where where the, the the failures don't don't last more than a second or two, and I'll show you guys got a better chance of being a, a consistently good player. And wasn't that Puckett? I mean, Puckett was it absolutely in, was Puckett. It yeah. was Junior. Uh, it there was it, it was a lot of guys. You you know you in, on the intensity side, there was a guy that played uh, years ago. For played third base on the on the pirate the Pittsburgh Pirates World Series winning team, you know, with Mazeroski and Dick Grote and Dick Stewart and those guys, uh, and um, Madlock, and Don Hoke. Oh, no, Don Madlock. Hoke, yeah. This was way before Madlock. Don okay, yeah. Hoke. And at the end of it, and he was a good player, a really good player. And it, at the end of his career, he was with Gene Mock in Philadelphia, and uh, Gene pointed him out to me by, before a game one time. Where I was just about to leave the clubhouse and go up to my seat at Dodger Stadium, and Gene. Gene, you know, said, you know, look at Hoke. And Hoke was in there just staring into his locker, staring down. And he said, he said, I'd, he, God bless him. He said, he's, he's, he's got no point in his career where he knows the skills aren't the same. He knows that he's, he's not the player he was. And he, gets him, he just has to get himself as mad at the world as he can oh. possibly get. So he can go out there and, and uh, have that, you know, get that extra whatever he needed. Um, there weren't a whole lot, there aren't a whole lot of guys that can maintain that kind of intensity, even for a few innings, much less a nine inning ball game. And, you know, offensive and defensively being, you know, being mad at, at what's going on. And, and, uh, that's, that's, that's that extreme. Uh, and you can, you can, the other extreme, you can be silly and that doesn't, you know, that doesn't count either. But I mean, right. just the, the ability to be, to be loose and understand that, you got to have fun playing the game, and you have to you have to really believe it. You know, you have to forget forget failures immediately. Those are the guys. I tell you, I covered a guy who was too silly and and still was too too intense once he got in the Bears box, and that was Jock Jones. <laughs> Jock uh, was a that Jock was the quintessential guy who was the, the mind would get in it would interfere with his hitting. He would play around and play around and have fun and yuck it up. But as soon as he stepped in the batter's box. He just got wound up too tight, you know, and it just kept him from being a better hitter. So I got. Let me ask you this, Roy: Where do you think Joe Maurer was on the spectrum between being too loose and too tight? Oh, I think I I think Joe was in a uh, he was in a separate category. He's in the no pulse zone. He wasn't in the he wasn't in uh, on the tight to loose continuum. He, he was on he was in a, on a different wavelength. He he was. Uh, uh, I know what I'm doing. I know how good I am. Good things are going to happen. Uh, let's go play ball. And when good things didn't happen, he knew it wasn't going to be very long before good things were happening again. So it just didn't bother him. <laughs> like I said, he he had no pulse. It looked like when he played, when, especially when he hit. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. His I, I he just gave the impression and and I think it's probably true. I mean, I just don't think his I don't think his heart rate elevated a whole lot, you know, in in, in uh, you know, situations and and uh I I don't know that that's anything that he practiced or or taught himself to do. I think that's you know, some guys just are born to be uh genius at uh whatever the activity is, whether it's sports or science or medicine or, you know, what you know whatever it is, and what that, and what I mean by that is, they have the talent, they have the brain makeup. Sometimes being too smart is not good if you're a player, especially if you're a hitter. 
they and they have the natural makeup just to have things you know kind of water off a duck's back and when you get guys that have the combination of baseball IQ and talent and that uh, personality that allows them to get through all the failure in baseball, those guys are the special guys. And I'll also say this. I think what was easy to misunderstand or miss about Joe Maurer was that the aw shucks stuff, the, the kind of the goofy – you know, Minnesota quotes, the the self-effacing, you know, the, the the quietness, all that stuff. When Joe was on the field, he had athletic arrogance. Absolutely. And, and Absolutely. athletic arrogance. I guess that's what I'm a, talking about. I guess yeah. that's a great that's a great phrase because that's exactly what I'm talking about. Yeah, and athletic arrogance is a good thing. The great yes. ones have it. It's just that Joe never really showed it once he stepped off the field, but on the field, he knew how good he was and yep. he and he wasn't going to let anybody pretend he wasn't that good. Yep. No, absolutely true. Let's get a final thought from these gentlemen. Next week, I have a bunch of topics we're going to get to that we didn't get to today. The great thing about this show is there can be no baseball happening, and we still run out of time to get to all things I want to talk about. Uh, great stuff from these guys today. I'm going to get a final th- thought from them. Once again, uh, subscribe to your favorite podcast app. Check out talknorth.com. We will do a live show in January, at least we plan to. Uh, we'll let you know when that date's going to be. And thanks again to our sponsors, Eleven Wells Distillery over in St. Paul, Memorial Blood Centers doing great work, Minnesota Propane because you are still grilling, and better edge. Uh, final thought, Lavelle. I, you know, this just struck me like the other day. Um, every twin who's in the Hall of Fame, I believe, has their number retired by the twins, if I'm not mistaken. I think so, yeah. So that means Jim Cott's number slash Joe Nathan's number is going to be hanging from the rafters at Target, Target Field here within the next year or so, right? I don't know why you wouldn't do it that way, Jim. It wasn't like Jim passed through town. Jim was a big part of the Twins. I, I would think that they would retire his number. What do you think, Roy? Oh, they should. I, yeah. I mean, I I think there's a reason why Hall of Fame player numbers are retired. I mean, yeah, they absolutely I agree. should. Yep. Did you no. have a follow up on that, Lavelle? No, I, it just it just struck me that the, that something is probably is probably first of all it's probably overdue. And, yes, and too, but uh, it'll be a great day for Jim. Who's waited a long time to get get, get his day in the sun, so uh, it couldn't happen to a greater gentleman, one of the true gentlemen of the game. He's the for best. Sure. No, that's a great for thought, sure. Lavelle. Uh, Roy, you get the final final thought. Well, I, I got a story. I, I want. I, right. I, I got a story. Sorry. Good. I need to. I need to tell this because there was some guys talking on uh, on Twitter. I think last week. And they were talking about Nolan Ryan and and posting my anemic batting average against uh, Nolan and and um, and you know how many guys he struck out even you know he struck out really good hitters a lot of times and I may have told this story before but uh, someone said yeah I've never heard Roy talk about Nolan Ryan and you you know that I have you have but I'm gonna tell yes. I'm gonna tell this story anyway about because it relates to the to the strikeouts I was out in. Oakland and it would have been 85 or 86 when Nolan hit a uh, a milestone and I don't know if it was his 4,000th or I think it was his 5,000th strikeout and Sports Illustrated the you know the week before he had done it the week before and, and or two weeks before Sports Illustrated came out with an article and it had every single guy from the first guy he struck out in his first game all the way to number 5,000. I remember that. Remember that Sports Illustrated? Yep. We had every listed in order, all the guys. 
And but at the at the beginning of the article, they had a box in the center of the page, and it was the guys that he struck out the most in their careers, right? And so we're out there, and Davey Lopes is a player coach for Oakland at the time, and he's and uh, he and I are talking. We're standing uh, near the Twins dugout, and he and I are talking. And the media uh, guys, all the writers, kind of gathered around us and started giving us a uh, just a, a ration of uh, a stuff because uh, we were both on that list. So I had struck out like 26 times in my career against Nolan. I think Davey was he was right around there, 24, 25, 27. I don't know, I don't remember what it was. And they were giving us shit because you know because we you know we were the. <laughs> We were the front and center, the most guy he's ever ever struck out. Well, he had crew. He got twenty eight times, and Jim Rice he got twenty nine times, and Cecil Cooper he got. You know, it, it, is it? Uh, there were a lot of really great hitters, you know, on that list. And so when they when they the writers kind of calmed down after giving us all of this, uh, Davey looked at him and go says, "Let me tell you something." Yeah. If you ain't been struck out 25 times by Nolan Ryan, you ain't shit. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, I mean, you had, to, you had to play a long time, and the manager had to keep right in there and say, hey, you see, here, go ahead and try it again, son. So just so people, uh, people know that I do tell some Nolan Ryan stories once in a while, uh, and his strikeouts was a big topic of conversation on Twitter, I thought maybe I would uh, drop that one on you. Beautiful. That's great stuff. Hey, thank you to Lavelle. Thank you to Roy. Thank you to Brandon for holding everything together. Thank you for listening to talknorth.com. We'll be back next week with more stories that we can't wait to tell. <laughs> <laughs>